guys happy to be here today? You have a good time in worship? I know I did. I actually started tearing up. That was really awesome. <laughs> but my name is Nikki. Um, Pastor Jake and Bethany are not here today. They're down visiting their family in um, Medford, Oregon. Uh, Bethany was the guest speaker at that church, and she did an incredible job at the women's conference. All the women in here that enjoyed that. Yeah. When she comes back, make sure to shower her with all your compliments. Um, but yeah, if you're joining us online, we just want to say welcome. Thank you for being here. And um, I'm just going to introduce what we're doing today. We're finishing up our series on discipleship and how to be a disciple and how to uh, disciple other people. And that word disciple just means a follower or a learner. And so we've been learning what it means to be a disciple of Christ, make disciples, and be a disciple maker or, you know, be discipled. So um, we have five different speakers. I'm the last one, but five different speakers, and they are going to share from their lives different ways that they have, um, just different things that they've learned in this area. So um, just be excited and expectant and ready to receive. It goes by quick, so just be um, jumping in and focusing in. It's going to be great. So welcome up our first speaker, John. Thank you, Nikki. Okay, I'm told I'm supposed to stand behind a piece of tape here. Good morning. Uh, a few days ago, Jake approached me and asked if I would uh, share a little bit on the subject of discipleship, specifically uh, how discipleship changed my life. And so I'm looking forward to sharing uh, in the next few minutes a little bit about that. And uh, I have found that there's a number of approaches our Lord takes in discipling us, in shaping and in molding us. And there's one specific one as I reflect back that stood out to me and that I'd like to focus on today. And so uh, Jake and Bethany, thank you for the opportunity to share. And we're looking forward to uh, seeing you uh, once you get back. Uh, soon after I got saved at the age of 18, the Lord immediately plucked me out of my hometown here in Springfield and took me over to Eugene to stay with my grandparents. Uh, they, uh, I believe the Lord wanted uh, to deliver me from the partying scene. Uh, how many grew up in Springfield? Really? Not too many. Well, I'm a, I'm a Springfieldite, and uh, I was the byproduct of that by the time I was 18. I was burnt out, burnt out on sin. But uh, anyway, the Lord took me over there, and it was there that I began walking to a nearby church. It was there that I got plugged in and began attending a home group. In this home group, I met and befriended. Uh, a more seasoned follower of Jesus, and little did I know that the Lord was orchestrating, divinely orchestrating this friendship. How many have ever had those before? And through this relationship, I began to realize the Lord wanted me to, the Lord wanted to disciple me through this gentleman. And so I was hungry for the Lord. I was filled with this passion to know God. I didn't grow up in the church. I knew nothing about the Lord, but I was filled with questions. I was filled with passion. I wanted to know and walk with this one that died for me. Amen? How many are there? And so I, uh, I would wear this guy out with questions, literally to the point of him being exhausted and passing out. I soon got a job and was living up in an apartment uh, up near the U of O, and uh, he also lived in the same apartment complex. And I remember talking him to death to the point where he would just pass out and I would slowly get up and go out the door. And that happened on more than one occasion. This guy was the greatest encourager I've ever had in my life. The Lord greatly used him to encourage me to, through the scriptures, uh, tell me how much God had forgiven me, how God had... Uh, 
died for me. And just, he, he really was an encourager with scriptures, compassionate and merciful. And it was, uh, it was very encouraging. However, how many know that your staunchest critic, uh, your, your greatest encourager can be your staunchest critic? And I soon began to realize that. Uh, one day he pulled me aside and said, John, you're so stinking self-centered. I don't even want to be around you. And that hurt. And about a week later, he said, you are so full of stinking pride, you make me sick. And I thought, Lord, what happened to all the encouragement and the flowery uh, words of loving kindness and compassion? And, and, you know, I liked hearing this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, you know, that kind of flowery stuff. However, I soon began to realize that um, God had a certain side to him that out of his love, he would bring people into our lives to speak straight. And I don't know if you've ever had that, but I found it to be a great blessing. And soon after this, the Lord clearly spoke to me through a passage of scripture in uh, Hebrews uh, 12, uh, 5 and 6. And it said this, my, my son, do not despise the discipline of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines and he chastises every son whom he receives. And so I said, Lord, okay, I give you my heart. I give you my life. If this is uh, how you want to shape and mold me, here I am. And a few days later, he's over at my house and he says, John, you have a call on your life. You're called to be a pastor. You're called to be a missionary. God's going to send you overseas. And he said, you need to go up to Eugene Bible College. You need to apply you're going to need all the training you can get. <laughs> and I said, you know, I need to do that. I'm going to do that. And about a week later, he comes over and said, hey, how did it uh, go applying up at Eugene Bible College? And I said, oh, I haven't done that yet. Boy, did I get my butt spanked. I remember hearing, uh, you're about as dependable as a rock, and you need to get off your dead butt and go up there and apply. And praise God, four years later, I graduated. And... And I did eventually become a missionary, specifically 12 years in West Africa. And I would not have done it had it not been this man in my life. Had it not been me placing myself in a home group atmosphere to establish a relationship and allow myself to have my rear end spanked by a brother who loved me enough to confront me. And uh, that is something that really stuck out to me. And I'm going to end with this very quickly. Uh, I'll never forget the first term of my first year. It was midweek service. Wednesday night, I was supposed to be there. I wasn't. He came, didn't even knock. After the service, came in my room, said, where were you tonight? And I said, uh, man, I'm a big time college student now. You know, I got to study. And man, did he spank my spiritual butt again. He said, you are not to forsake the gathering of the saints. God has called you to be an example. He's called you to be a leader. You're to set an example. And if I look around, and I don't care if it's in the middle of the service, you're not there, I, even if it's in the middle of the service, I'm going to leave, I'm going to find you, and if I have to tie you up and drag you back to the house of God, I'm going to do it. And it's been 35 plus years, and I've never missed a service. <laughs> but God just wants to say this, and I'm going to end with the end of that passage of Scripture in Hebrews 12. All such discipline for the moment does not seem joyful, joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, 
in the end, it will yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness. God wants to train us. He's asking for our cooperation, and he's going to do it through relationships. And he just wants us to know as his heavenly father, he loves us and can be trusted in this thing we call discipleship. Amen. Well, hey, Joy Church. I'm so excited to be in front of you guys today. Thank you to Pastor Jake and Pastor Bethany. I just really appreciate the opportunity. Um, I am an accountant by, um, that's my job, uh, by trade, whatever, I'm an accountant. And uh, so, but anyways, I just had a question for you guys, and, and I just wanted to know, have you heard the one about the funny accountant? No, neither have I. We're not funny. I mean, some, some Nathaniel in first service was like, hey, whoa, I, I'm, I'm funny, which he can be sometimes. But I say about two to three funny things a year. And I know this is true because when I actually say something funny, it kind of stops the conversation. And my husband looks at me and says, that was actually funny. Good job. <laughs> like, it's an accomplishment for me if I can be funny. So... There's my joke to start you off. But what I want to talk to you guys today is about my discipleship process. You know, for me, discipleship has just been an ongoing process. It's, when I look back, I don't see this one moment. And, and there's a lot of people that help me in discipleship, but I don't see one person. What I see is, I, I see two years of my life that I was really focused on discipleship. And that was my junior and senior year in high school. And during that time, during those full two years, I just started going to a new church. And if the doors were open, I was there. I, back then we had Sunday school, so I'd start with Sunday school. I go to Sunday morning church. I went to Sunday night church, which was every week, not just once a month. So there was like three classes on Sunday. Uh, I went to youth group every Wednesday night. I went to every youth event. I went to every youth conference. I went to every youth convention, camp. If there was a women's event, I was like, I don't care. I'm a teenager. Like, I'm going to the women's event. I went to Christian club. I ended up leading the Christian club. I did everything that I could to be in a place that God was going to be. I wanted to just soak up everything I could. And what I did was I created opportunities for myself to get a mentor, to get leaders, because when you put yourself in those places, you're giving yourself opportunity to meet a mentor, to meet a leader, and be discipled. And so I really believe that discipleship is a process. You can't just go to one small group and like, oh, I'm discipled. I'm good. I'm good. Oh, I, uh, I went to next track. I'm good. Yeah. No, I'm discipled now. No, discipleship is a process, and it's something that's going to keep going, and it's something that we're going to continue to work on. I'm continuing to be discipled. And so here's what I want you to do. First thing is show up. Show up. Come to church. Go to the events. We just had our Activate Women's Conference this last weekend, and it was so great. Show up. Show up to Upper Room. Show up to your groups. If you've got kids, bring your kids. Make them show up. If you've got youth, Bring your youth. Make them show up. Make them go to youth group. Make them go to the youth uh, group. Because what you're doing is you are creating opportunity. You think, oh, well, they went on Wednesday. That's good enough. But what if that wasn't the right opportunity? What if the opportunity was on that Monday night group? 
You don't know what kind of opportunities are out there. You don't know who's gonna be at what event that's gonna create that opportunity for you. We want you to show up. The second thing is submit to the process. I'm glad for you guys to show up, but you know what? You gotta apply what you learned, right? So you're gonna go and you're, maybe you go to a group and you're like, oh, I showed up at the group. But you know what? Take that next step and engage. Participate in conversation, participate in what the group is talking about, add to the discussion, apply what you've learned here. And it's in those times that you're, you're submitting to your leaders and you're gonna be able to listen to those around you. So we're gonna show up, we're gonna submit to the process so that we can become disciples. Good morning. You get two for one now, so I'll just wait for him to get here with his microphone. There he is. Hi. <laughs> I'm Alan, and this is my wife, Carol. And we've been attending and have been members of for about two years and have um, so enjoyed being a part of this community. Uh, we moved from Fairbanks, Alaska, and uh, it was quite an adjustment coming here and reestablishing ourselves. Uh, and a big shout out to Tony and Carl and their community group or joy group that invited us in and we felt loved by them and ministered by them. I wanted to share with you um, 2 Corinthians 5.14. It says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he, who died, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for him them and was raised again. I get stuck on the very first part of that. For Christ's love compels us. How many thousands upon thousands of books and past pastors have spoken on those words alone? We sang it today. Christ's blood speaks a better word. It is something that begins to move us and engage us and challenge us. And as, as new Christians, we're thrilled at the newness. As, as deeper Christians, we're overwhelmed by God's grace and mercy in that. That, it, that in God, he, in his love, he constrains us, he moves us, he leans us forward to engage a world around us. So Alan and I both accepted Jesus at a really young age, and we were discipled by many people. We were some of those that attended Sunday school. We had uh, mentors and disciplers among our parents, our extended family, yeah. our Sunday school teachers, our youth workers, lots of folks that really fed into our lives and helped us to grow. And it, as we started to think about it this week, um, after Bethany asked us if we would share, the one thing that stuck out to the two of us was how intertwined being discipled and discipling others was for us. You yeah. may remember that one of um, Jake's messages on being equipped to minister was part of discipleship, and that was true for us. I remember I began teaching a Sunday school class when I was 15 years old. I was teaching a class of first graders, um, and so that was part of our discipleship. Then we met in college. We were both discipling others, but we started to think about how do we disciple others as a team? And that was a challenging conversation because we're wired really differently. I am an introvert. And, and I'm not. 
and so uh, we were called to youth ministry and large events and kids all the time, and I was loving life. This was the best thing ever. And my wife was administrating in the backgrounds, making me look good, and I was totally unaware. But, but we had some conversations about kids constantly at our house and the noise and all those kinds of things and lots of, uh, you know, polishing stones together as we worked out how to do ministry as a couple. And that was honestly part of our discipling too, was yeah. learning from each other and, and growing through our relationship. Um, there have been lots of different seasons in our lives. Um, disciple, being discipled and discipling others hasn't always looked the same. There have been lots of different ways that, it, that it's happened. But we wanted to pick out just one that we could share with you that really warms our hearts. And we're going to do that with a couple of photos. The first one is, um, uh, if you count them, there are eight little boys right there. And what, what happened was uh, our kids had... Our kids were growing up and they were starting to have children and they started to hang out at our house and they started to invite their friends and they were from our church and so we started to have a community group which we call Joy Group here and we began to hang out and then our kids multiplied off and they were on the other side of town meeting and this group, there was at least one adoption in this group and then there was another adoption. At one point we had 10 boys under the age of three. That were um, coming to our house on Tuesday nights to eat dinner. Yeah. And there was not a long period of Bible study. There was lots of loving each other, um, just caring for each other, praying for each other, caring about what was happening. It was part of life. Laughing at the non-sleep people. And uh, no, it, it, you know, it just really was, uh, you know, for you, for some of you, I've just described your worst nightmare. <laughs> you, you know, this is where you lose sleep. But I have to tell you, when Christ calls you, he repictures he re-envisions. I was raised, I, have, I had three other brothers. We had no kids around. I never did babysitting. But God compels us, and suddenly you can do anything in Christ. He speaks that better word in us, and we're changed by it. The next picture, so in that last picture was Hannah Concer and one of her children. Now they have three boys and are getting ready to have a girl. But in this picture, Dave sent it to me. They were a military couple. They had come in Fairbanks to be a part of the military and had moved out. Now they're in Georgia. And he sent me this a few months ago. And it says, 13 adults and 13 kids tonight in that group picture. Thanks for always having an open house for us and being a family away from home. And that's what it's like. It's a lot of chaos. It's a lot of family. It's a lot of unique smells and unique things. We're all, you know, it's, it doesn't have to look like this, but when you get a group of people together, there is polishing going on. But God, if he's in the midst, he begins to change our countenance and make him more like him. And so the, the things we'd like you to take away from this is that, it's, that discipleship isn't an add-on. It's part of living your life. It happens because Jesus compels us. That's right. And it can be replicated so that the things that you do continue to grow and produce fruit. That's, good. That's awesome. Wow. So many amazing words said. I'm like, what more can I say? But, you know, I'm going to share with you guys a really quick story. When I was probably about eight years old, um, I had a friend named Crystal. 
And Crystal would always take me out and read the Bible at various places to me. She would take me to the park or um, at family camp. I remember sitting on the dock by the lake and she would read the Bible. And I was only eight years old. It was so cool of her to do that. And that's my youngest memory of, of being discipled. But I remember one time she took me to Starbucks and this was back when their little hot chocolates were a dollar per cup. And, you know, I, I finished my hot chocolate. She's reading the Bible and I'm like, can I have another hot chocolate? So she buys me another one. And I finish that one. I'm like, can I have another hot chocolate? And I finished that one. And again, I said, can I have another hot chocolate? I kid you not, about eight hot chocolate, hot chocolates later, she cut me off. She's like, you're done. I could have just bought you a large and it would have been cheaper. (laughs) And it's a funny story. She was a woman of God. That's a lot of hot chocolate to give an eight-year-old. But you know, the main thing I want to focus on in this story is that Crystal made time for me. At at an age of eight years old, she took me out, she used her gas, she'd pick me up, we'd go places. She made time for me in her busy schedule. And you know, the main thing I want to focus on today, the main point I would love for you to take away today is that discipleship is not complicated. It's really not. And so often we get it in our heads that we have to be a certain way and act a certain way and know all this stuff, but it's just not complicated. And there's two things you have to know how to do in order to disciple others. And the first one, and we've talked about this throughout this series, is simply just be one step ahead. You know, if you read a verse yesterday or a chapter that really stuck out to you and you're like, man, I think I understand that, that you know, maybe you dug into it and you kind of know what it means, teach it to someone. Now you know, one step ahead. You don't have to be a million steps ahead. You don't, know how to, you don't have to know how to exegete the Bible. That's a fun word. You don't have to know how to interpret all of these things. You just have to be one step ahead. It's so simple. It's not complicated. And the next one, and I think this is where it's really difficult for a lot of us, is to make room. Make room in your life. Make room in your schedule. You know, I know for me, it's so easy to look at my calendar and be like, oh, I just want me time. You know, I just need time for me. But you know who was very, very good at making room in his life is Jesus. And I know Becca actually talked about this a few weeks ago, was that, that story about when Jesus just wanted to get away. He just wanted to have some alone time. His disciples said, here's some, some space for you to be alone, Jesus. And what happens? A crowd of 5,000 people came to Jesus and said, feed me. I don't know about you, but I'm a very extroverted person. When I need alone time as an extrovert, don't mess with me. Don't tell me you're hungry. Don't talk to me. I need my alone time. So Jesus is like, you know, he's Jesus. And it's kind of like, okay, you can have alone time. You deserve it. But no, what did he do? He had compassion on these people. He fed them. I'm like, I would not respond that way. So Jesus is such a good example of making room for people. How often do we say, well, I I have homework, I have work, I have the, and they're important, but we get so caught up in them, my schedule's too full. And one uh, person I know in my life, it's actually Jake's sister, Natalie. Um, She was my youth pastor growing up, and she is a perfect example of this. You know, she was busy, she was a youth pastor, she had her life, but one thing she always did, and one thing she always said was, just take someone with you. You're going to the grocery store? Awesome, take someone with you. You're gonna just clean your house today, have a day at home, you're working on projects, invite someone over. You're gonna go work out at the gym, Clea and I do this, I'm like, come work out with me. Just bring someone with you on this journey in life. It doesn't have to be laying out your calendar every single day, trying to find time. Sometimes there are seasons that are like that, and I'm not saying that that's not true, but just bring someone with you. And one uh, man in the Bible that said it perfectly in such a simple way in 1 Corinthians 11.1, this is very easy. You can probably memorize it today. Follow me as I follow Christ. 
As you are getting your relationship aligned with Jesus and as you're getting in the word and as you're following Jesus, the people that are beginning to follow you as you go to the grocery store and go study at, at Starbucks and go to the gym or whatever, they're gonna start looking like Jesus. Why? Because you're starting to look like Jesus. It's just not that complicated. But we can't disciple others if we're not staying in the word, staying that step ahead. And we can't disciple others if we're not making room in our lives, if we're not making room at the dinner table, if we're not making room in our lives, we're not going to have that opportunity. So I encourage you this month, make some room in your life. Invite someone over, even when it's inconvenient, even when you maybe need that alone time sometimes. Invite someone over and make some room in your life. Awesome. Those are really good words. Um, we've heard some really great stories, really great tips. And um, I just wanted to close it with this that we can seek out mentors, we can be asking, oh God, who's going to be the person that's going to disciple me, and um, you know, who am I going to disciple? But the reality is that first and foremost, we're disciples of Christ. And the point of a mentor and the point of being discipled is to point to Christ. So at the end of the day, it is pushing us to be more like Jesus, to look like Jesus, right? And so I just wanted to give that as, as a, just a reminder. And actually, Paul in 1 Corinthians 1 um, they, he got a letter from them, and he said, I, I, he, the first thing he addressed to them was, I heard, it, I heard some people say that. Some of you are going, I'm a follower of Paul. I'm a follower of Apollos. And others are, I'm a follower of Jesus. And he's like, hold on, guys. We're all just followers of Jesus. We have our mentors. We have people that are pushing us forward. We have, we have that. But at the end of the day, we are followers of Jesus. And um, he even said, was it was it Paul who was crucified for you? No. Was it, you know, Bethany that was crucified for my sins? You know, was it Jake who died for my sins? No, it was Christ who died for my sins. So at the end of the day, every, every discipleship journey is pointing me back to Christ. We make it about him, right? It starts and it ends there. And uh, I have this kind of analogy. You could imagine maybe this race, right? And the Bible actually, sometimes we say my walk with God, but really the Bible kind of talks about Christianity as a race. Paul said that we are running a race. And here in um, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. And if you can imagine a race and you're thinking about discipleship, a race is like, it's, this is like when you're running and, and a discipler or somebody, a mentor is somebody that's waiting there and they're just going to push you in the right direction. They're going to point you to Jesus over and over and over. And if you're a discipler of people, what you're going to do is you've got somebody running next to you and you're just going to push them in the right direction. Because the Bible says that we've all gone astray, right? We have all like sheep have gone astray. We get lost. We've gone off the path. We've gone and followed our own way. And that's resulted in a sin. It's resulted in a life of that, that it's just not right, right? And we need to get pointed back to Jesus. And that's what, that's what it is. That's what salvation is. And so mentorship and discipleship is just pointing us back to Jesus. And that first part of um, that verse, it says, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, if you look around this room, this is our great cloud of witnesses. 
um, we can look around and these are the people that are on that path with you, running that race with you, that can strengthen you, that can hold up your hands when you're tired, when you're weary. Those are the people that can say, hey, this way. Hey, come alongside me. Hey, let me, let me show you the way back to Jesus or let me help you in this area of your life, right? This is our great cloud of witnesses. You're not in this race by yourself. That's why discipleship is so important. We need to know that. And that second part is throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles. We all get entangled in sin. We all have weights that we need to get rid of. Sometimes we pick them up on the way, on the race, and it's like, why am I carrying this weight? I need help. Or maybe there's a decision. It's not a sin issue. It's just a decision you need to make, and it's difficult. Should we go move there? Should we go do this? Should we go do that? And, you know, and we need somebody to come alongside us and just point us in the right direction or pray with us and partner with us. And that is another example of what discipleship is. And we can do that for other people and just helping each other take off those weights every day on this race that we run. That third part was run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. And that last part is fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Jesus is the one that we fix our eyes on. All discipleship points back to him. And he's the pioneer and perfecter. Another, another version says um, he's, the, he's the, what is it, the finisher, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one that started the faith in the beginning. He's the one that set us on the race in the beginning, and he's the one that's going to complete it. So on that walk, don't get so focused on one person. Keep focusing on him. So I just wanted to close with a prayer for all of us, just to continue to just encourage you guys. And um, if there's anyone in here that just needs strength, you need a mentor, you need people to come alongside you, we're going to have prayer at the end. Um, And I just really encourage you to do that. But let's just close our eyes. I'm going to pray for us and I just believe the Holy Spirit wants to just kind of move things around in our hearts and show us um, just just maybe some hindrances, maybe some things that need to be stripped off and so that we can run this race with perseverance. Lord, I just thank you for this great cloud of witnesses that's in this room. I thank you that you've called us together, that you haven't left us aside, Lord God, that you've you've made a way, that you've put us on this race, Lord God, on this path, and, and you're there, Lord, calling us to you. God, I pray that if there's anybody that is feeling like they have a weight on them, like life has just been difficult, they just haven't been making the right decisions, or they're struggling with their thoughts, or they're struggling with their relationships, they need direction, they need to be pointed back to you, and they feel like they're lost, Lord, I pray that there would just be some supernatural, amazing events that are going to happen, or different people that are going to come alongside them and point them in the right direction, Lord, to point them back to you, Jesus. Lord, I just pray that you would help them to break off those chains, break off those weights, Lord. And Lord, I just pray um, for us as disciple makers. God, there's every single person in this room has somebody that they can encourage, somebody that they can point back to you. And I thank you, God, for giving that responsibility to us to be ambassadors, ambassadors of Christ, to represent you. And so, God, I just pray that you'd strengthen us today. God, help us to have good character, as Kayla said, that, that follow me as I follow Christ, that we would be able to say that to people. God, I want to be an example. I want to be somebody that people can emulate, and it's not going to throw their life off. It's going to point them back to you. So I just pray for that in people here today, Lord, that they would have the strength to break off the things that they don't need to be running with and just to continue to be pointed back to you. Even when people let us down, even when we're discouraged, God, just point back to you because that's what it's about. I thank you so much for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, and then also, if there's some of you in here where you're like, I haven't started the race I don't know Jesus. I haven't been running. And you feel like, yeah, I'm the one that kind of got lost on the way. This is an opportunity today to start your race 
with Jesus, your race as a Christian, you're running this in this life, and, and Jesus offers this gift of eternal life to everybody. That for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that <laughs> all of us, we could know him, so that we could know him with our lives. We could live a life separate for him. And Romans 10, 9, it says that, uh, it says if you, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. It's that simple. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So we believe that Jesus is, um, Jesus is God. He came, he lived a perfect life so that our sins could be taken care of. He would pay the penalty for our sin. And so we can have a relationship with the Father, with God. And so that's an amazing gift. And so I just want to pray for you if that's you to this morning. Um, we can all close our eyes. And if that's you, just raise your hand and let me know. That's me. I need to get on this path back with Jesus. I need to run this race with perseverance. I've, I've gone astray. All right, we're going to just pray this prayer together. And everyone can repeat after me. And as Pastor Jake always says, it's not a magic prayer. But, but this is a confession with our mouth of what Jesus has done. So we're all just going to repeat this. Dear Jesus, I confess my sin. I know I haven't lived up to your standard, but I thank you for your grace and mercy revealed to me at the cross. And you made a way for me to be right with you. I give you my life and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Amen.